What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey McLeary. So the Red Sox had a big Game 1 win last night in the first game of their three-game series against the San Francisco Giants, winning that game 3-2, to and the Red Sox have now won five straight games. Cut across and been five and two-thirds innings on the mound. Three hits allowed, one earned run, seven strikeouts, one walk on 86 pitches. He did get 13 swings and misses last night as well. Very impressive outing for Crawford. He's now 5-5 five and five on the year with a 3.86 ERA. The Red Sox have needed somebody to step up in their rotation with all the injuries they've had. To Tanner Hauk, Garrett Whitlock, and Chris Sale. And thankfully, Cutter Crawford has done that in more of the Red Sox. Pitching staff has been very impressive over the last four games, just allowing seven runs over the last four games. The Red Sox are getting hot at the right time. The nine games over 500 right now, which is a season high, which is unreal. And they also have the best record in baseball since June 30. That's 16-5. and five. So it's been a great stretch here for the Red Sox. Very good pitching as well. Tristan Costas had another hot game last night. Had a double and a home run in his first two plate appearances versus Logan Webb. Adam Duvall had a very good night as well. Two for four with two doubles and a run scored. I said sell Duvall before, but now I would hold on to him. I think everybody in this Major League roster should be held on to. The momentum and the mojo is too strong in the locker room right now to break it up. Kike Hernandez was fine to trade in my eyes since Story is coming back back soon with Trevor Story coming back. Kike would have been replaced anyways, but I would keep the rest of the Major League roster. I know reinforcements are coming with Whitlock, Hoke, and then Sale, but I would keep the rest of the core together. I think this Red Sox team has the capability to make a run in the postseason. I think with what we've seen over the last couple weeks, this team is capable of doing things in the postseason if they get everybody back healthy and obviously maybe make one or two more moves at the trade deadline. I think this team is capable of winning at least a series in the postseason. Who knows after that? I mean, at the end of the day, if you just make the playoffs, anything could happen after that. You never know what could happen once you're in the playoffs. So that's why I think the Red Sox should buy at the trade deadline, and who knows where it'll take them. Right now, they're in the midst of a 32-game stretch in 34 days, so they will need the starters to go long in games to save the bullpen over that stretch. So Cutter Crawford going five and two-thirds last night was pretty good, and then also if they could get six or seven out of Brian Bayo and James Paxton every night over the next few weeks. That would be huge as well. The Red Sox have hovered around 500 for the entire season and now have excelled over the last 20 games to be 56 and 47 overall, 15 and 5 in the last 20 games, which is the best in the MLB. And they are currently one and a half games back of the Houston Astros for the last wildcard spot in the AL. So things are looking up for this Sox team. Tristan Casas, who I've talked about now multiple times over the last week, he continues to rise to the top since the All-Star break in 12 games. He has a 472 batting average, which is number one in baseball, a 568 on base percentage, which is number one in baseball, an 1139 slugging percentage, which is number one in baseball, a 1707 OPS, which is number one in baseball, seven home runs, which is number one in baseball, and then 342 as his weighted runs created plus, which is also number one in the game. The next closest in weighted runs created plus is Kyle Tucker, 261. So 261 and 342 is a big gap. And then Tristan Casas also has a 672 weighted on base average and a 672 isolated power, which is a stat that takes into account extra base hits, and he's number one in that category in the game of baseball since the All-Star break. And Costa's slugging percentage of 1139 since the All-Star break is unreal. It's number one in baseball, as I said, and the next closest to him since the All-Star break is Kyle Tucker at 848 for a slugging, which is awesome as well. But an 11-39 slugging percentage for Tristan Costas in the last 12 games. Five of his last six games are multi-hit performances. Tristan Costas, no way you could doubt it. He's one of the hottest hitters in the game of baseball right now and is legitimately closing the gap in the AL Rookie of the Year race at bat by at bat. I know right now Josh Young, Masataki Yoshida, and Gunnar Henderson are ahead of him. 
But if he keeps things up right now and continues to stay hot at the plate, which it'll be hard to repeat an 11-39 slugging percentage for another 15 games. But if he stays hot at the plate, though, and he continues to rake and go 2 for 5, 1 for 3, 2 for 3 every single night, he's going to have a shot when September does roll around at the Rookie of the Year race, which right now is still a long shot to Henderson, who's third, and then it is Yoshida and Young are pretty close as the first and second in favorites. But Casas is closing the gap, though, at bat by at bat. He's definitely making a name for himself as of late, which is obviously great to see. Alex Verdugo has been cold, and that brings into question whether or not it's a worry. I don't think it is. The last 10 games, he is 3 for 33 with a .091 batting average, a double and 11 strikeouts. He was hitting 301 for a batting average going into July 1st. Now he's at 271. In the month of July, he's 8 for 62 with a 129 batting average, a 456 OPS with two home runs, seven runs batted in, 14 strikeouts to six walks in 17 games. I am not worried, though. I think Verdugo needs a 2 for 5 game to get back on track, a 3 for 5 game, 2 for 4, whatever it may be. Get himself back on track, get hot again, and I think he'll be fine. I have all the confidence in the world that Alex Verdugo will get back on track. This slump won't last forever. It's just a 15-20 game stretch here. As for the San Francisco Giants, they had 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games. In my predictions a week ago, the circumstances are a little bit different with them, either being ultra-aggressive at the trade deadline and getting Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. I wouldn't say it's the case now. I don't think they're going to go out and be that aggressive. They have good pitching. They just really can't hit. They were swept this past weekend by the Washington Nationals in three games. They were outscored in that three-game series, 21-5, to which is a worry. Obviously, the offense can hit. And then on Monday, they played Detroit and lost 5-1. to So the offense really has been struggling. Six runs over a four-game stretch between Detroit and Washington. That's obviously awful. And considering this a franchise that wants to win... I wouldn't be surprised if they try to be aggressive at the deadline, but at the same time, I think it'd be smart for this team to maybe go out and add a few bats, but not the Cody Bellinger type, because even if you were to get a guy like Cody Bellinger, I don't think it makes that big of a difference on this offense, considering how poor they are as a whole. They won't be ultra-aggressive now like I thought, and I don't think they should be. Maybe try to add a few bats, as I said, that will help out the lineup a little bit, maybe you know hit 250, 260, 270 with 20 home runs you know for a season average, but I wouldn't go out and get a big bat considering where this team is hitting-wise. I mean, I think this team is struggling, obviously, and if you look at it, one bat like Cody Bellinger isn't going to make too big of a difference here considering there's a lot of weaknesses in this lineup. Even though they got 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games, though, this team is still a wildcard team right now, holding the last wildcard spot in the NL, which is a very close wildcard race in the National League. Six teams are separated by four games in the wildcard race right now in the NL, so it should be fun to watch going into August. The Sox tonight have James Paxton on the mound at 7-15. He's 6-2 on the year with a 3-4-6 ERA and a one whip. San Francisco has rookie right-handed pitcher on the mound as the opener, Ryan Walker. He has Six starts on the year with 24 appearances, and he is 3-0 and with a 2.7 ERA and a 1.23 whip. Hopefully the Red Sox get another win tonight. They've won five in a row and hopefully make it six tonight with James Paxton, who's been great all season on the mound. Now I'm going to move on and talk about the Chicago Cubs. A team that's been very hot as of late since the All-Star break. They've won seven games in a row and a 9-1 in the last 10 games. 14-6 in the last 20 games, which is tied for the second-best record in baseball over the last 20. The Cubs are only three and a half games back of the Wilds card right now, so maybe they don't trade Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, and Cody Bellinger. Right now, they have the 19th hottest remaining schedule in the game of baseball. And they won two of their first two games in a four-game series this weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals. They have six games on the year left against the Colorado Rockies, seven versus the Pittsburgh Pirates, three versus the Detroit Tigers, and three versus the Kansas City Royals. Right now, the Reds are four games up on them in the Wilds card. They still have eight more games against the Reds on the year. Eight more games against the Reds on the season. So they still have a lot of time to make up ground. 
And at this point, it could just be a hot stretch for the Cubs. I don't know if they're a legit contender. I don't think they are a legit contender, but I think they're capable of making the playoffs. And I always favor now making the playoffs rather than losing and getting a better draft pick. At this point, when you're this close to the playoffs, you might as well get in and see what happens. You never know if you can get hot and make a run. There are a lot of teams that have won over the last few years, like the Washington Nationals in 2019, the Braves in 2021, the Phillies making it to the World Series in 2022, where they all just got in and then ended up getting hot in September, getting into the playoffs and getting hot at the right time. So I would favor the Cubs at least making the playoffs and trying to go for it. And if they feel like they can re-sign Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman in the offseason, I think keep them. Try to make a run with them, make the playoffs, and extend them in the offseason. I think Strom is more likely to leave, so there's a chance they still move him. But I think Bellinger, I think they can extend to this point. So I would keep Cody Bellinger, even though I said last week I would trade him and trade Marcus Stroman. The circumstances were different. I didn't see them going 9-1 and one over the last 10 games. But they've turned things around. And Cody Bellinger has been a big reason for that. In his last 14 games, he has six home runs, 17 RBIs, which is second best in baseball since the All-Star break, a 400 batting average, which is fifth best in baseball since the All-Star break, a 764 slugging percentage, the seventh best since the All-Star break, and 1190 OPS, which is eighth since the All-Star break. He has 15 home runs on the year, a 319 batting average, 46 runs batted in, and a 915 OPS. The Cubs are open to keeping him. So I think at this point, I would change the green light that I had him and make it a yellow light. I think they still will see if they could get a crazy offer that they can't deny and maybe they ship him out if they get that. But I think they want to extend him. So I'm going to go a yellow light here and I think they'll wait and see what the offer is that they get for him at the trade deadline. As I said, this could just be a hot stretch here for the Cubs, but they still have a good amount of games left to make up ground. Right now in the NL Central, the Cubs are four and a half games back of the first place Milwaukee Brewers and they still have six games against Milwaukee left on the season. They're four games back of the Reds in the wild card. Still have eight games left against Cincinnati on the season. Then another important thing to look at is that in the wild card race right now, the Cubs are three and a half games back of the last wild card spot in the NL, which is held by the San Francisco Giants. They still have three more games against San Francisco on the season. And one last team I want to mention, Arizona. They're still in the hunt. They're one game back right now of San Francisco for the last wild card spot. The Cubs are two and a half games back right now of Arizona to be the first team out. So both teams have missed the playoffs at the playoffs start today. But Arizona is one game back of San Francisco. The Cubs are three and a half of back of San Francisco. And that means they're two and a half games back of Arizona. But they still have seven more games against Arizona left in the season. So there's still a lot of time for them to get back on track and maybe make the playoffs. So this brings up an interesting question. Do you buy or do you sell at the trade deadline? Last week, I said the Cubs should be sellers. Because at that point in the season, before they went 9-1 and one over the next 10 games, it was a smart idea to sell. Now I've changed my mind. I'd honestly keep Cody Bellinger for sure and try to extend him. And then if I don't get a crazy deal back from Marcus Stroman, and I think there's a chance I can re-sign him, maybe keep him. This team is not far off from making the playoffs. They aren't a World Series contender, but they can make the playoffs, and who knows once you make it in. You just have to sneak in the playoffs, and then anything's possible. So now I'm going to move on and talk about Aaron Judge and his return to the Yankees lineup last night. It still brought the Yankees no luck. He was 0-1 with three walks in last night's contest. The Yankees had Garrett Cole on the mound, who was exceptional. He went seven innings, giving up three hits, five strikeouts, giving up no runs. Tommy Canely, though, came in in relief and gave up the game-winning home run to Anthony Santander, his 18th home run of the season. The Yankees lost to the AL best record, the Baltimore Orioles, one to nothing last night. Grayson Rodriguez was great on the mound for Baltimore. He's a rookie, young pitcher, but has a... Bright future ahead of him. He went six and a third innings, giving up three hits, four strikeouts, two walks. He lowered his season ERA to 6-2-1. That's a big thing for the Orioles is getting pitching at the trade deadline. If Grayson Rodriguez can come in to the rotation and give you five to six innings, that's obviously huge. And I still think they add pitching at the trade deadline anyways. But when you have a rookie pitcher giving you six and a third innings, 
against the Yankees, even if the Yankees struggling, and he gives up no runs with four strikeouts, two walks, three hits in those 6.1 innings, that's huge. So that's obviously a great outing there for Grayson Rodriguez. The Orioles are now 63-40 and 40 on the season, which is the second-best record in the major leagues. They have 14-6 in the last 20 games, which is tied to second-best in the majors as well, tied to the Chicago Cubs. The Orioles are in an interesting position right now where they're spending no money. They're still spending no money. They still have the second-lowest total payroll in the game of baseball right now. It's $69 million. They're spending no money. And they still have the best record in the American League and the second best record in the major leagues right now on the season. And they have eight top 100 prospects coming up. I just want this Orioles team to start spending money like they did back in the day from 2014 to 2018. When their opening day payroll in 2014 was 107 million, 2015, 119 million, 2016, 147 million, 2017, 164 million, 2018, 148 million. That was five straight seasons where they had payrolls on opening day over $100 million. And now they don't do that anymore. I mean, the most they've had on a payroll since 2019 on opening day was in 2019 with $80 million. 2020 was a shortened season, so a lot of it was prorated salaries. They had a $23 million opening day payroll on the 26-man roster in 2020. 2021, $57 million. 2022, $43 million. And then in 2023, $60.8 million was their opening day 26-man roster payroll. And this comes from Cots Baseball Contracts, a website online that gives you a whole breakdown of the Orioles' opening day payrolls here and what they had on their opening day payroll and then at their year-end 40-man payroll, how much they spent on each of those two. But right now, the Orioles are spending no money and they're still succeeding. The second best record in baseball, 63-40 and 40 on the season, and have eight top 100 prospects. They have the best farm system in baseball and they are spending no money. I just want this... Orioles team to start spending money like they did over that five-year stretch from 2014 to 2018 when they had big names on their team like Mark Trumbo, Chris Davis, Adam Jones, Manny Machado, J.J. Hardy. I want them to spend like they did back in the day in that stretch. They had a lot of other talented players as well like Nelson Cruz, Nolan Reimold, and Jonathan Scope. They had a lot of talented players over that stretch and they spent some money as well. I want them to just spend like they did in that stretch. I think this team, even without spending, I think they'll own the American League for years to come. They're going to be an AL contender for years to come just with that farm system having eight top 100 prospects, including the number one in baseball, which they drafted with the first overall pick in the 2022 draft. Jackson Holiday, he's been great in the minor leagues. He'll be up probably within a year or so. What a great talent he is. But this team is so talented, very young as well, and they're spending no money. Wait for this Orioles team to spend money. And they're going to own the American League. Own the American League. They'll be contenders for years to come. And this Orioles team deserves it. The Baltimore fan base, they deserve it. Considering all the pain they went through for a five to six year stretch and being one of the worst teams in baseball while spending no money and having really not much talent on their roster, it all worked out. This team has completely turned things around and I'm so happy for them. Hopefully this year in free agency, they decide to spend in the offseason, maybe get some big names on that roster. Considering how good they are, it should be easier to recruit players to Baltimore now, considering how good they are this season. They're a contender right now, and they're only going to get better over the next few seasons when the prospects come up and they start spending some money and opening up their payroll. It'll be easy to recruit guys to Baltimore. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping they get a lot of talent in the offseason. I mean, for years, they didn't really have much talent on their roster. Once they really split things up and got rid of Scope and Jones and Machado, things started to fall apart on them. The Chris Davis contract obviously didn't work out, and things were looking really down for them. They had a couple bright spots over the last few seasons while they were losing, like Anthony Santander, like Cedric Mullins breaking out a couple seasons ago and having a 30-30 season. He was miraculous in the 2021 season. And then they also had Trey Mancini as well. That was a bright spot. But at the end of the day, 
this team is different than they were in years past, and I'm hopefully going to be talking more about them next year as a contender even more than I am right now. I think this team's only going to get better. They're contending right now, and they're only going to be better a year from now at this point. Hopefully, spend in the offseason, get some more acquisitions maybe in trades considering how many prospects they have, and we'll see what Baltimore is doing in the next five to six years. But I think this team is going to be a powerhouse in the American League for years to come. Anyways, that'll conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one and enjoy your weekend. Thank you.